The Detroit is Different podcast is about exposing artistry, business, ideas, and dynamic people, places, and things that make Detroit a mecca. Tune in weekly and subscribe to get the true stories from the people shaping the culture of an American classic city. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Detroit is Different podcast and don't miss the true stories that add to the culture of Detroit. All right, we are live in full effect in the Detroit is Different studios and I'm actually outside of the engineering chair and I'm in, I'm going to call this the Josh Adams chair. This is where Josh always sits. I'm with my name brother oftentimes and he actually told me today it's like people come up to me saying uh, are you doing this thing <laughs> right. with uh with god knows what <laughs> i'm gonna be at your show <laughs> yeah it's like oh i i uh what show are you talking about right. sir because <laughs> <laughs> right, i think i'm gonna be home <laughs> like you're gonna be mad socks to my son <laughs> i know i know turn uh turn up cario too a little bit too um and this is crazy because I'm Kari, but this is the original Kari, as they say. All right. The, all right. OG, <laughs> the OG in the game, very similar uh, hip hop artist, yep. uh, poet. Uh, right now, I would say dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Husband of father. Tanisha. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the Tanisha. homie. Yep. Um, and connected with little homies big time. It's almost like we swapped roles. As I used to do my hip hop leadership workshop, <laughs> now he does way more work with little <laughs> homies now. And the uh, Coleman Young Youth Foundation, the yeah. organization, the work, scholarships, yeah. uh, mentoring, speaking to kids, yeah. uh, motivating. Kari Kimani Turner, how are you today? Yes, sir, brother. It's good to be with you, man. I'm great. I'm yes, great, sir. Man. Thanks for having me, man. This is I, I love what you're doing here, man. This, Thank I'm, you. I'm inspired, man. Um, I know we were off camera talking about this, but I'm like, Tunisia, we got to sit down with Brother Kari and have a conversation. I would, I would love anything, yeah. anything bringing you guys. Uh, I'm definitely pro. Yeah. As it's always, we <laughs> always share a laugh, and God knows what. Right, you right. know, uh, your wife's spirit is always great. It's like you know, I had to. <laughs> you know, she, <laughs> she is. She's low key funny, man. She's she hilarious. Is, I know, I know. She's like a um, her intuition on yeah. so much and, yeah. and how to present things it's dope yeah so um yeah. with that being said she's the reason i don't talk in my sleep oh man well i don't want that trouble oh <laughs> I, I, I know like have you ever had drink have you ever gotten in um it's like me and um ishmael even said this it's like got it back and forth over something dream you did with a woman it's like <sighs> my dream you dream you did this i'm in trouble you like am dream? i Am I about to have a real life discussion <laughs> about dream me? It's like dream me. What what was he doing? Oh, man, I, did, I did do that. <laughs> dream you. I don't want that discussion, man. I don't want that discussion. You, dream. She, yeah. I tell I tell I tell you my wife, man. I tell her um she can be all four seasons in one day. Yeah. You know. And I'm like, I, I took that line from a Sting song, man. And I'm like, it's, it's true. And she always gets, like, lightweight offended. Like, what you mean by that? And I'm like, you can rain. You can you can burn things down. You can grow things up. You know, I'm like, you can put things to sleep. I was like, I'm not messing with you. <laughs> it's, it's, but just like my cousin in Maiwa, it, it fits. Like, you know, you meet, you meet people yeah. and they fit. And it's like, yeah, they fit. Yeah. Like, yeah. they fit. We fit. You know, like. Uh, 20 years strong, we fit. Yeah, y'all fit. Yeah. yeah, you all were at. Um, 
what was that at Good Cakes and Bakes where um, yeah, man, shout out King, Michelle, yeah, King was doing his uh, young. This was like one of his first things in, in the poetry, like the little oh, people the poetry re- yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And then just like you guys back and forth <laughs> and parenting and yeah. where things were, and and it's like want to hang with the other kids like king it's so weird it's like seeing king's um ascension into yeah. like you know building confidence putting the words together it's something isn't it yeah it's like you know my, my friends even called me one day um they were like man it was like this little kid that was on stage that opened up for dave Chappelle. <laughs> right. i was like oh that had to have been king and got invited <laughs> back and, and got invited back a second night man that's yeah that's king man that's Shout out to Jessica, man. My sister Jessica Caremore. She's, I mean, she's a phenomenal mom among, uh-huh. among other things. And and it's funny, man, because I look at I look at what you're doing and what Jessica's doing, and and um, you know my brother Mike E. And it's funny, man. All of us are doing these phenomenal things, but but the thing that I love is that it's all undergirded by by this uh, this profound influence that we're all trying to have. Mm-hmm. on people younger than ourselves you know yeah uh you're doing a lot more work with with younger people and yeah, um yeah. a lot of the younger people in this generation um it's 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 a lot more being explored i don't know yeah, if these things definitely. have always existed but especially when it comes to mental health yeah. uh depression is uh something that is being explored kind of i would say overall mm-hmm. I'm, I'm generalizing here for the first time, I've, I've seen open discussions about depression in the black community yeah. with young people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think you're right. Outside it's, of, like, just traumatic, it, like, you know, like, generally it's like, yeah, man, they probably depressed. Their whole family got murdered in, mm-hmm. a, in a fire. Like, outside of a traumatic experience, like, it's even. Yeah, it's not crisis-oriented. I think we're realizing that it's, it's a thing. Um, I actually started my career. Uh, in in public relations for Detroit Wayne County Community Mental Health Agency before it became the authority, hmm. and this was back in the late '90s, and we it was around the time that Governor Engler's uh, administration started closing mental health hospitals, and our leadership at the time, uh, Gerald Adams and and our board members, were warning the public that there's going to come a day of reckoning when we're going to be forced to contend with mental health as a consistent topic of discussion because what we're doing is is pulling the the support mechanism from under people who really need these services so the warning back then was we're going to see it go beyond homelessness and you know increased drug addicted populations and i think we we didn't know exactly what it was going to look like but we just saw it going there and then going beyond that and i think now kari what we're seeing is is our children being affected by onset mental health issues and and early bipolar disorder uh, disorder diagnoses, early schizophrenic disno- uh, diagnoses, because they are living with the residual effects of broken households, single parenthood, young uh, unprepared parents, um, mm-hmm. uh, communities with no supportive programming, you know poverty, joblessness, you know, violence and, and all the things that come from uh, despair. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you know, we're being forced to have this conversation and start looking at and discussing real mental health issues. You know, I don't I don't know that that necessarily is the is one of the things that 
that drew me back into public service, but it certainly coincides. And you know, and I bring that up just on the strength of the work you're doing through Coleman Young, just touching yeah. children in today's like atmosphere. Absolutely, it just it it feels different as. I mean, it was just as recent as 2000 in 2011, 12, mm-hmm. when I stopped doing the Follow the Leader series. But even then, like mm-hmm. certain I things were that. shifting. But as I'm interacting with some of the young people now, it's a different temperature and a different attitude that where I definitely recognize that mental health is being more uh, recognized, uh-huh. being addressed. Uh, other issues are, are coming up, which to engage younger people now mm-hmm. is a lot different than before. You, you just kind of can't go in like, you know, I play football. Like, you can't go in football coach style all day. Whereas no. before, it'd just be no. like, look, you yeah. know, like, you know what I'm saying? You could Joe Clark it, you know, yeah. yell at a kid, smack him upside the head, mm-hmm. and be like, focus. Yeah. Which I don't know necessarily if that was, you know, maybe even effective back then, but <laughs> it was like, oh, this is the reality of which how we yeah. engage children. Whereas yeah. I don't I don't see that you have to be very um I guess even more so than understanding. You have to be uh very um very humble and and open yeah mm-hmm. to even reach the audience of young people today I absolutely you you know back then more of us were growing up the same way mm-hmm. you know it's it's funny if i was going to duffield elementary school i knew that i knew or if i was going to miller middle school i knew that on the east side i knew that the kids at halley on the west side were learning the exact same thing that i was learning um, their days were structured the same, which meant more than likely their neighborhoods and households had more in common with mine. And now, you know, so many of our institutional structures have been either broken down or, or uh, if not dismantled, um, dispersed. Mm-hmm. That, that now it's like more of us are, we're more individualistic mm-hmm. than ever. So... Remember how we used to grow up with the joke that, you know, does your teacher paddle you? Mm-hmm. Remember those conversations, you know, in fifth yeah, grade. It was, every, it was a couple of paddlers. Yeah, in, yeah. My uh, teacher had to paddle with the holes in it, so yeah, it gathered yeah, up yeah. air before it hit you. You know, it's like those things. <laughs> gathered up air. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cherry had to paddle with the holes in it. You know, um, you know now you, you can't take that approach to every child because every child has uh, truly has a, a, a different orientation. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you you just don't know what the family situation is like, what the neighborhood situation is like. Now we've gone from having whole neighborhoods to having, you know, culture that exists on this block. And then it changes when you get to the next street. Yeah. You know, this gang is on this block. The next gang is on the next block. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so different now, man, that you have to have an open heart and an open mind to every child. At Coleman and Young Foundation, you know, the, the fact that we give scholarships is great, but the, the thing that we do that's, that's really critical is the mentoring of young people who don't come from college-going cultures, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about kids who at this point, you know, I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my upper 40s now, so now I can look at one to two generations of young people who have come uh, up without benefiting from a college-going culture, having someone in the family who's been there, done that, and can show them the ropes, you know? Mm-hmm. So when they go off to college, 
getting into college is just the first step now. You know, mm -hmm. getting through college is the bigger challenge. You know, how do you navigate the difference in culture on campus? Mm -hmm. You know, seeing, not, it, seeing people who don't look like you, uh, who don't vote like you, who don't worship like you, who don't come from the same country as you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's just the social stuff. You also have to manage student accounts and, and, and figure out how to plan your life and career while mm -hmm. you're managing all that stuff, you know. And that's where we step in and, and work with these young brothers and sisters. Um, and I say brothers and sisters, we just work with young Detroiters, no matter who they are, what they look like, and help them to navigate that terrain. And it's critical, man, because uh, without it, recidivism rates, which are kids who don't go back for sophomore year, recidivism rates go as high as 60%. If not higher. Um, if not higher. Yeah. And depending upon the school, depending upon the situation, yeah. even depending upon the reality. Yeah, as, absolutely. Um, as the next big question I have, uh, Coleman Young. Uh -huh. and what he represents yeah. is I always ask people like if you could name Detroit after one per if you could rename Woodward after one person who would it mm. be and why and Coleman Young is always the answer that yeah. most people give for the Detroit is different interviews yeah. I've gotten other answers but mm -hmm. for the most I would, part I would say Coleman Young always Coleman now yeah. what's the legacy interpretation to most mm. of the young people when they hear about Coleman Young you know more often I meet young people who are who are removed from his legacy enough that they have to be educated. Okay. Um, that's what history does. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't think it's a shocking thing. I, I think once you get two to three generations removed from a person's existence or prime. Yeah. And that's um, even if the person that's if the person was great. Exactly. It's a lot of people living exactly. where it's like, did you know he did that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so not only do these kids not know mayor young the way the way we feel they should mm -hmm. but there were a whole bunch of great people around him whose names yeah they've never heard you yeah. know marianne mahaffey buddy battle irma henderson you know mm -hmm. so there's a lot of re-educating that has to be done but to your question i think his legacy i think his legacy is um fighting spirit mm -hmm. you know uh bold detroiter uh-huh uh, -huh. uh genius yeah fiscally sound fiscally responsible mm -hmm. he was the only mayor in the in the last 60 years to leave the city with a surplus mm -hmm. um, i think he was a hard lover of detroit and, and when i mean that i mean you know he did what he felt was best for the city or in the city's best interest whether you and i liked it or not so there were times when he ticked off the very people who voted for him yeah. you know the um the Dodge main plant story comes to mind when when they wanted to when they wanted to uh, build uh, uh, build a was it the Chrysler plant over on Jefferson? I think. Yeah. Yeah. The Chrysler plant. on yeah. Jefferson. Well, getting that done required that they essentially raise a community, you know, and there were you're talking about thousands of homes, thousands of people dozens of churches a couple of schools that needed to be torn down and cleared mm -hmm. within a year's time to make room for this plant mm -hmm. and back then the 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 cries of eminent domain you know were raging and the fights were raging mayor young was not uh he wasn't well liked by a lot of his voter base um 
but he had enough vision to see that not building it could lead to 30 additional years of economic despair in that community. Building it could save half the community. So he went about the business of communicating with people as directly as possible. There's even a legendary story about him going, clearing his schedule and spending three hours sitting on the porch with one man who was the lone holdout, who mm -hmm. swore, you know, to the extent that I, I think at one time he swore with rifle in hand that he was, that that was the only way that you were going to take his house. That story got to Mayor Young and Mayor Young cleared his meeting schedule and went and sat with the man. They both turned out to be from Alabama. They had a lot in common. They struck up an hours long conversation and the man finally seated and decided that he would move with the understanding that the city would help him find suitable living, you know. And as a result, um, that plant makes the Chevy Volt. Um, it's employed thousands of people. Sure, and unfortunately, you know, people had to be displaced to build it, but that community now has an economic mainstay uh, that employs a lot of the residents in that area as a result, and people who otherwise would have had to leave have been able to stick around. So it's one of those things, man, where it's like nobody completely won, nobody completely lost, but in the long run, Mayor Young saw that it would sustain the community. Um, and, and I was just going to say, when younger people hear these types of stories yeah. and learn about the legacy, yeah. what's their interpretation? You know, I, I, I find that young people are, are very intelligent. They, have, they do a good job of reading between the lines once they get the full story like mm -hmm. that. And, and I've had that conversation and had young people say, you know, well, what I get, you know, what I get from it is that, you know, sometimes you have to be willing or strong enough to make hard decisions. Uh, they say things like you can't be concerned with people liking you all the time. Um, sometimes you have to be willing to stay the course when everybody wants you to change course, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and they're all spot on because that's those are all characteristics that he embodied. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's a fun conversation to have with young people. And then ultimately it gives them an idea of the shadow that they grow up in you know, and how long that shadow stretches. You know, when you can take a young person downtown and say, what do you think of this entertainment district? And they say, man, Little Caesars Arena is dope. Uh, man, I like Comerica Park. And then we say, well, you know, none of this happens maybe if the mayor didn't convince Mike Illich, God rest both their souls, uh, if the mayor didn't convince Mike Illich not to build his headquarters in Farmington Hills and instead to reinvest in the fox mm -hmm. you know well no that's wrong he didn't convince him not to build his headquarters he he convinced him to split his attention and while he was building his headquarters in farmington hills um to invest in the redevelopment of the fox the fox becomes the cornerstone of detroit's developing entertainment district detroit's entertainment district today is still the second largest entertainment district of any big city east of the Mississippi besides New York City. Mm -hmm. um, so Coleman Young was at the foot of that. You know, same thing. And, 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 and if, if he doesn't dig a hole to build Joe Lewis Arena in order to keep the Red Wings from moving to the suburbs, um, then we don't get to enjoy that team and that organization's success over years. And 
who's to say maybe we don't see little caesar's arena become mm -hmm. a reality um even with the controversy around how it was built you know you can't you can't uh you can't deny that and then that's also a different conversation yeah, it's topic a, it's but a different argument the, but the point is mayor that, young is yeah. at the root of all of that development so his shadow lasts mm -hmm. through 2018 easily yeah. um and then and then the the most amazing thing that he did was take the remaining portions of his campaign treasury at a time when politicians could have could retire on campaign funds and endow coleman a young foundation and a professor's seat at wayne state university both of which still exist to this day mm -hmm. one of which has been able to put more than 500 kids through college mentoring them along the way helping 90 percent of them graduate 60 percent of those graduates come back to the city to live work and raise families and play and all that um you know that's the kind of man he was man you know mm -hmm. he, he now now in that and mm -hmm. you're in the position working with the foundation now mm -hmm. and when you took the position i was like wow this is interesting <laughs> i'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah. all right i know he was just working with um he was just working with Mr. Allen, Dr. Allen. Yeah, at the time. yeah. And, over uh, at Corinthian Colleges, shout, yeah. Shout out to Dialis Allen. Dialis Allen, love, yeah. That's I, my love, man. I love Mr. Allen. You know, yeah. that, that voice all the time. I, <laughs> I would give him, <laughs> in, my, hmm. in my microeconomics class, I was like, oh, yeah. wow, we got more homework. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Frazier. Uh, uh, Mr. Frazier. I think you can do this. Why don't you go on and get it done? <laughs> <laughs> we used to imitate that brother left and right, man. <laughs> Shout out to Dialis Allen. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he was a good guy. Such a classic He's, voice too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was great in the classroom and everything. <laughs> Lewis College of Business was yeah. where I was working. Uh, just you know, taking his classes. Um, another institution that like sadly no longer exists. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, from from there, knowing that that was more i guess institutional mm -hmm. but now you find yourself more community driven True. getting some of the young people into the institutions yeah what what have you found uh to be i guess i don't want to say like the biggest challenge or what mm -hmm. have you found just in in your own journey as you're understanding where institutions stand right now because just yeah. throughout throughout america i would argue mm -hmm. you know everything to do with america is like redefining and i mean sure you know, even more so than it's ever existed is you know just it's less resources mm -hmm. than ever it existed so what have you found um to to find the the support for the position that you're in mm -hmm. and then just where have you found uh working to advocate on behalf of young people mm. uh to be the most uh, the the most substantive uh, thing that you've gotten from it well i've i've learned that um you do have to have a a fifth and maybe a sixth gear to mm -hmm. do this kind of work and i don't want to give the impression that i don't want to give the impression that it's the kind of job that that never lets you go home or never lets you off work mm -hmm. but this is the kind of work that stays on your mind 24 hours a day you know um and i often work I often worked some some very awkward times, you know. Um, perfect example: we we close on Fridays during the summer, but how many days off do I actually take? Very few, you know. 
Um, I had I had uh, breakfast with one of our scholars just this morning, and it's that kind of job. You know, I, I knew I would like being, you know, the foundation's executive director. Um, I love being the foundation's executive director. Wow, that's that's one of the things that hmm. that I realized within the first two years. Um, no, no. No executive director's job is linear, mm-hmm. you know, because in in the service industry, my job is going to be different from, uh, say, my friend uh, Jason Lees, who's the executive director for Grow Detroit's Young Talent, mm-hmm. or from Dan Varner, who's at Goodwill Industries. We mm-hmm. and I, those names come to mind because we were all on the same floor uh, just two three years ago, mm-hmm. but. Once you get in the position and see what it takes for this particular organization to tick, um, figure out where your donor base is, who supports you, why they support you, you then realize very quickly that, that what works for Coleman and Young Foundation is different from what works for DAPSEP from what, what, and different mm-hmm. from what works for New Detroit Incorporated. You know, um, Our mission originally attracted people who were either contemporaries appointees friends or or directly connected they were directly connected to our founder yeah now our donor base is is evolving into this base of people who uh, support the foundation because they love the mission Mm -hmm. we've been around 36 years now so they more often than not, I walk into a room and, and if I'm doing, say, like a keynote address and ask if there are any alumni of Coleman A. Young Foundation in the room, two or three people always stand mm-hmm. up. You know, so we've got, you know, when you've got 500 graduates, we're scattered all mm-hmm. over the place. You know, and, and if 60 percent of them have come home, most of the places I go, I'm going to bump into somebody who yeah. is either a, an alumnus or. Knows an alumnus. Knows an alumnus, you know, uh, my niece, my nephew, my grandchild. It's like, I could have got it, but I didn't want to write an essay. Exactly. (laughs) Right, that thing, that thing. So, um, you know, there's now this second generation of supporters who who love the work Mm. and and in some cases know the product. Yeah. Um, That's powerful, man. That's that's powerful because now we're doing what our founder wanted us to do the vision beyond exactly beyond the idea of you know somebody just sitting in the room like you know it's like i went fishing with them every day and it's like all right thank you mr anderson but uh uh and some of those people are still around does not necessarily mean you should determine right (laughs) right right the act prep course yeah (laughs) well i I have to say you know a, a lot of a lot of those individuals who were appointees, you know, they're still mm-hmm. around. They're still oh, very yeah. active. Yeah. You know, uh, I think a good 30 or 40 percent of my board is still made up of. That's good. And that's powerful. And those are uh, that that was the beauty of the young administration. When I look back at it, um, America itself, uh, I believe, heightens the, the idea of individual success. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that is an yeah. argument in my own my own right. I'm still yeah. coming up with this argument that touches on the hearts of uh, middle aged white men more because to honor uh, uh, 
to honor a background and precedent that's over and beyond individual success, you have to talk about the structure that created you. Mm -hmm. And the administration of Coleman, uh, coming from a union background, uh, so many of the appointees, it, it was, though Coleman was representative of taking the lead, mm -hmm. it was a movement that ushered in a, a leader of the ilk of Coleman Young and the checks and balances. We were kind of briefly talking mm -hmm. about that. That just existed. You know, the, the Dan Aldridge's, the yeah. uh, the Conrad Mallet Seniors. Yeah. The, you know, like, I mean, so Absolutely. many. It, it's just like the, the names go on and on, on and, and on, on of these yes. people that just were like, no, nah, I, I, I know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I grew up in that same Alabama town. You better... Yes. You better absolutely. Mary Young helped people become successful for life. Yeah. You you, it's the equivalent of taking your name off the building, and and what I'm getting at is is doing it for personal, you know, for personal gain. You know, he 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 truly positioned people to spend the rest of their lives having an impact on the people of Detroit. Yeah, and. None of those people ever forget that, you know. Um, so first of all, the the results of those of their commitment amaze me. You know, when most politicians pass away, their foundations go away with them. Yeah. So we're still here. When when they leave office, typically their appointees, contacts, charges go off and do their own thing and you just don't always hear as much talk about their connection to that individual but here we are surrounded by people who are now the ogs in our community mm -hmm. and they will tell you without being prompted yeah. i'm here because mayor young was here yeah that's the kind of effect he had on me my family and I'm not just talking black people. Mm -mm. I mean, 50% of his administration was white and women. Mm -hmm. You know, 50% of his security detail was white. Mayor Young was easily the most inclusive politician that the state of Michigan has seen in the last century. Yeah, and, that's, that and means, it never made headlines. And that, that means that you had too many black people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's two black people. Yeah. Oh my god! Well, you know, <laughs> gave you know, a we, contract to a black man. We we all know we all know that Mayor Young was pro black, but oh yeah, what he always yeah. said was that he was also pro Detroit. Yeah, his fifty fifty yeah. hiring policy, his fifty fifty uh, contracting policy. Absolutely. Um, at times, I I've even felt like, man, is that just too far? Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. But in in and looking yeah. at what's happening in Detroit today, mm -hmm. looking at what's happening in my nation today, mm -hmm. um, to truly provide opportunity for our people, it, it may need to be blatant, uh, explicit rules like that, that because if, if we rely on, you know, diversity training yeah if we rely on like if we rely on all of the veils i believe that are not as explicit and just mm -hmm. like look point blank this is what it is chances are the yeah. scales will not tip in the favor of you know a city that's 80 percent black I, for I, black people 
I love the way Tanya uh, broke down the difference between diversity and inclusion at, at the uh, Mackinac Policy Conference this year. She, she made the remark that um, diversity is when you count all the people, mm-hmm. but inclusion is when all the people count. That's deep. You know? And I, I think it's time to advance the discussion beyond diversity. We have to talk about including people in everything that makes this city move forward, you know. Yeah. And to do that, you're absolutely right. You can't. It can't just be lip service because you can't it's, rely on lip service. You have to yeah. systematize it, and, you know, the inclusion process. And that's what makes it so, so important and critical for the work you're doing with young people because mm-hmm. yeah. it's a lot of opportunity even here. We're sitting in a multimedia studio. We got Joe Black over there. Uh-huh. This is uh, we're, we're troubleshooting how to stream this live. And, <laughs> and I've had my own ideas of like, yeah, you know, I really just want to do social media and, and teach video and audio just to young people. And this will be this and this will mm-hmm. be that. But I'm dealing with so many other barriers and blocks. Mm-hmm that go even beyond like the basic mentorship as mm. to be ready to seize those opportunities when they do present themselves Yeah, where I'm not apprehensive. And yeah. People sometimes call me the blackest person they know, <laughs> but I can be apprehensive sometimes with my people and being understanding of like, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> like, Oh man, you know, <laughs> like I, it, and to, and to take things to the next level. Yeah. That level of accountability, that 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 level of pride, that level of confidence, seeing mm-hmm. past and in, in, in accomplishing success, mm-hmm. really even preparing yourself for <coughs> preparing yourself for for embracing success. Sure, takes a, 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 a takes a readiness mm-hmm. that is not. When I was a kid, like you know, and, and I think I come from a very strong family of entrepreneurs and everything that mm-hmm. that never was a topic being explored but as i work with more young people and i hire more people period you know um, you mean you mean the for the my responsibility own, for my that own comes with success the the just just being ready for it yeah this is where programming like that mentorship absolutely coleman young winning a scholarship it mm-hmm. could be just winning i mean even not your scholarship mm-hmm. just winning a scholarship that's 25 dollars because you win something yes. and, and you walk away saying damn i have i you know mm-hmm. and embracing the idea of value beyond something presented to you through i mean god knows what instagram or something yeah you know and, you, I mean? and you realize the value of the journey and what, and what you have to do to get there you know um scholarships that require you to write essays yeah that means you have to take some time and sit down and go through a thought process and answer questions and adhere to a word count and, and you know, format requirements. Um, or you have to communicate with individuals at your school to, to gather documentation to support you. Um, and then, and then also you have to interview and compete and I, present yourself. I would say just allowing yourself the vulnerability yeah. to not get the scholarship. But to have the courage to go through exactly. it. Exactly. You got to learn as how to that's lose. That's needed too. Yeah. Yeah. You have to learn how to lose. You have to learn how to turn losses into lessons. Um, one of the things I love is when, when someone who does not get the scholarship calls me and asks me to coach them. Wow. You know, don't explain to me why I didn't get it. Help me to prepare for the next opportunity. That says so much about young people's character. 
and and I get those calls, you know. That's um, deep. I, I, I more often I get calls from people wanting to know why they didn't get it, you know, and I understand that because um, if everybody if everybody understood the value of of all these little character pieces, mm-hmm. you know, of course, that you know these conversations would be more common on mm-hmm. my end, but. Every now and then, I, I, every year, I may get one or two calls for somebody just asking me to help them to prepare that's for deep. the next opportunity. And I think that's, you know, sometimes I think that is a more valuable thing to build on than actually winning the scholarship. I was going to say in, in, in today's age, as you were asking about, like, so what, what, is, what is the vision? It's just people that are passionate. And, yeah. and I feel in the haze of so much because it is a lot of hypocrisy it's a lot of bogusness stuff going on just mm-hmm. on so many levels and I, I i mean politically socially media wise entertainment um community like it i, I don't know what whirlwind i would be in if i was 15 now because god knows the whirlwind i was in when i was 15 when i was 15 mm-hmm. so so to know that someone is intentional enough to say, okay, I accept that I took the L, but mm-hmm. let me ask this person, how do I get the win? Yeah. Already says to me that this person is, is that's a lot of skill. That's, yeah. that, that says a lot to me about that character, whoever that yeah. is. And you're 17. Oh, yeah. Talk asking me that question. Yeah. You know, so now i i have kids man who are still in my life just because they had that conversation with me you know what i'm like all right look we're not supporting you financially but i'm gonna ride with you yeah i'm gonna hit you up once a year once a semester or whatever just see how things are going it might just be a text yeah but at least you're going to know wherever you are that somebody is concerned yeah you know um that does a lot for a student's um level of accountability Mm mm-hmm their commitment to their tasks, um, their commitment to, to work-life balance once they're on campus, you know, uh, just knowing that, you know what, at any minute, you know, Brother Kari might break off a, a text or a phone call, mm-hmm. and it, it might be 10 to 15 seconds of my life, but I'm never going to forget that that came through, you know. It, I, I was just having this discussion with one of my friends about um, – it's funny. It's almost like he's becoming more conservative. He's like, I really think that, you know, a lot of the government assistance is changing the way that some people in my community see uh, chasing opportunity. Right. <laughs> OK. And I was like, you know, we, we debate a lot. And I was telling him, I really think one of the biggest things that changed our community is, is Claude Anderson's discussion of um you know, when you break down the segregation rules. And this mm. was even like another thing that drew. Mm-hmm. That that Coleman Young community together so much yeah. because so many people came from that black bo- black bottom neighborhood. Yeah. It's almost to the fact that like you know a lot of the people from Alabama stayed on certain streets, a lot of people from Mississippi stayed on other streets, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people from Georgia <laughs> stayed in other neighborhoods. But, you get um, you getting real east side, but uh, <laughs> but this is but it's true. It's true. It's it very is. true. Absolutely, it's true. So so it's like I'm gonna call your mama. Could could happen. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I see where you're going. Uh-huh. The 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 community also uh, had a temperature of doctors, attorneys, just due to segregation. Sure. You know, our community, we had a litany of so many people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think a lot of young people, you know, that does something. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I still hear the stories about, and you've had to hear them as you're such a, you're like me. You nerd out on Detroit's black history. I do. But, I do. Um, you know, when you hear those stories about like, yeah, man, I was a kid and, and Joe Lewis was the heavyweight champion and he was training right there in the Brewsters. I can't yeah. imagine. I was swimming over there. I can't imagine because like in my life, that would have been like, you know, going to Butzel and seeing Mike Tyson mm. at the height of, you know what I'm saying? Being yeah. Mike Tyson. Yeah. Training at Butts like that uh, would have Doc, have I ever told you my moment? Sure. So I grew up, um, I was born on Finkel and Lejeure. Uh-huh. And at the age of seven we moved um we moved to the east side, that, that neighborhood, the urban renewal neighborhood. So I was in North uh-huh. Park, Hyde Park, where uh like right across the street from Miller Middle School. Yeah. Formerly Middle High Miller High School. And at some point during my teenage years, uh, we learned that Mayor Young bought a home in Hyde Park, mm. which was the condo complex right that, over there yeah. that neighbored North Park where I live. Then I found out where the crib was. <laughs> and we would, you know, that neighborhood was all pathways and side streets that curved and da 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 da. And, um, We'd ride our bikes. You know, we were gone. We'd leave in the morning. We're on our bikes, man. We got hills, pheasants to chase, and da-da-da-da-da. And um, one day, I'm riding my bike, and I see him pull up. I don't remember if it was a limo or or he had a a driver. Uh I saw the back of his head (laughs) going into his crib, (laughs) going into his house. Man, can I tell you, I didn't say anything. I was actually starstruck. He didn't see me looking. Me and my boys were just like, that's Mayor Young. Wow. And it was like, I never forgot that moment, man. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, our elders, our elders um, had that kind of impact on us. It wasn't just him, but I, I had people in my life, man, who were, uh, who were giants to me. Yeah. Jim Wadsworth just... was a giant yeah. to me, yeah. you know? And um, to just to see them made me adjust my behavior. But it also made it like this person that you I idolize as you know we well we we all know mm-hmm. a lot of Coleman Young's moment was seeing Paul Robeson stay right there in Black Bottom. See, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's that's so weird. Yeah. Like I I can't imagine. Like I don't know. You yeah. know, like. You that know, was a real we, we nerd even said like right if there, Denzel Washington was like just staying in Brightmore, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah, that's you a real nerd up. fact, by the way, that you remembered that. Shout out, that's a nerd. Could, could like, you nerd shout out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or I guess Michael B. Jordan. I guess he's more contemporary. They'd be like, "Who that old guy?" Like, right, right, right. You know right. what I'm saying? You go to the ice cream truck, and it's like, damn, uh-huh. is, that, is that Killmonger? Oh man. Let me buy Killmonger a, a twin, a twin uh-huh. pop. <laughs> uh-huh. Like that got to I think that. No, but they're like recreating that. that. You. you know, that's mm-hmm. a good example because him, that crew, that cast and crew yeah. from Black Panther. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan Ava DuVernay, Ryan Coogler, they're they're recreating that feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and and I think they're aware of it, which is why they carry themselves in the way they do. Yeah. You know, um, I mean that that Black Panther cast man right now they're like our our brat pack, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Back in the day when you had that Breakfast Club crew yeah, and, yeah. and you saw all the cats that came out of that crew, mm-hmm. man, all of those cats so far have come out and done a couple more movies apiece. Mm. 
that they got on tap and and they're all rolling and riding with each other man and we need that yeah we need that man. yeah it says something about camaraderie between yeah. men and women um I, I i just i'm looking at i'm looking at this release i don't mean to cut you off but i'm looking at this release of superfly from an historical perspective uh-huh. like here we go again mm. you know maybe maybe we maybe we got a little bit too gassed up on Black Panther, so you come right behind it with the re-release of the Black Exploitation movie. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. As uh, I got the coffee poster in the corner, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, Black Exploitation yeah. fan. Uh-huh. But uh, what it represented, and uh, you know, as Pam Greer spoke on it a whole lot, and you know, even like a, a Russell Simmons talks about it, you know, mm-hmm. like the whole, you know, the whole auction to buy the uh, Max Julian's cloak from the Mac. Yeah. Um. It, it created an idea yeah like in the veil of like um, the role in these caricatures mm-hmm. of, of, of blackness yeah so uh, for, for anybody watching the whole idea of uh, of Superfly originally and then even today is mm-hmm. uh, you have the character and as crazy as this is met Ron O'Neill mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, priest Priest. It was uh, was a story, and he needs to do one last drug score to get out the game. Uh huh. That's that's the whole concept of mm-hmm. Superfly. Then and today, uh, mm-hmm. it was the it, it was the uh, uh, direct like the cinematography from Gordon Parks. It, mm-hmm. It's a very uh, the movie itself is definitely not necessarily uh, the the original movie. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the new one, but it's not. You know, like, I mean, it, it's not AFI's top 100. Right. It, it definitely, the look and the feel is very deep. But within it, what juxtaposed this whole feel of, like, this uh, this 70s, late 60s drug dealer in New York is one of the most socially aware soundtracks of the mm-hmm. temperature of ghetto life and what causes people to use drugs, yeah, to sell drugs, yeah, uh, to to be addicted to a culture that that opens up the back to the depression, the mental illness where people feel as though they can't cope without drugs mm-hmm. through Curtis Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to get your take on just the difference between the music of the mm-hmm. of the film originally mm-hmm. and the film itself and the representations of it that you end yeah. up with one of the most positive things to empower the ghetto right the music and possibly one of the most negative things to impact the ghetto the image all in one and the trouble with it is that as much of a music man as i am i'm very clear that imagery will always overpower sound mm. what we see is going to stick with us faster than what we hear wow you know and i think that's why so many people were unable to get past the image of ron o'neill yeah you know uh even though we all we all know that that the soundtrack made mad noise you know yeah. we we loved curtis mayfield's uh, interpretation of that film and the way he scored it mm-hmm. and and we appreciated the messages the messaging and we all knew and loved baba mayfield we knew what he represented <laughs> you know no way around it but Superfly itself reversed the pro- reversed the the impact that 
previous films like Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song had on -hmm. our people, you know, Raising in the Sun, those empowering images, Mm -hmm. it reversed it Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And and not only did it reverse it, but it influenced it influenced um, a plethora of other movies copycats. to come by. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, copycats. So now the message that got sent to a lot of people and the message that a lot of our people received was that that's the life that we're emulating. You know, that's 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 the standard. Mm. And that was the dangerous part of, of the Superfly film, you know. Um, the thing that concerns me now is that, um, you know, no, no shade on Trevor Jackson. I think he's a talented brother. No shade on director X. He's a talented brother. Been doing his thing in music videos for a long time, Mm -hmm. but why now? Mm -hmm. I have to ask that question. If I'm going to be a responsible, you know, consumer, Mm -hmm. why now? Mm. You know, we're coming off of, we're coming off of, uh, off of the most, powerful depictions of our people to come along in a generation in Black Panther. You know? I would say ever. Because even as strong By as, the numbers, yes. I mean, I, I mean, of the, let's say, mass-marketed movie that I've ever known, and yeah, I yeah. love black movies. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I even like bad, bad black movies. Yeah. Pootie yeah. Tang is one of my favorites. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, me too. Me too. Actually, yeah, me too. Actually. <laughs> nah. Yeah, so, and, and there's perspective too. You know, I, I'm not saying that there's not a part yeah. of me that enjoys, you know, boom. Yeah. You know, I remember in the 90s, you know, I was rolling with Hugh Masekela and Redman, you know, yeah. in my tape deck. And, and they were battling for time. So, <laughs> I'm not saying that it's all PG and, and upliftment. But, versus whatever, man. They yeah, but, but I am saying, you know, the timing, it always makes me curious. Mm-hmm. Brother, it just... It just does. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's a question that I'm going to ask, and I don't know if I'm. I don't know if we would ever get an get, honest get answer the, about get it. Get the answer of yeah. the the that being green lit. Yeah. Um, which I can't believe that both of us as MCs, MCs that rap with bands, we've been talking almost for for an hour, and we're <laughs> just now finally getting to like our doing Art, music. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, but it's like it's like you know. Captain America did so well that you got Captain America, Captain yeah. America and the Winter Soldier, back to back to back. Ain't nobody throwing a Red Skull movie <laughs> in the midst. You know, <laughs> Black Panther did so well that we know that we're going to get a Black Panther 2 yeah. within another couple years. Yeah. You know, but you throw a Superfly in the middle of that. Yeah. And it, it's just... It, it's It distorts as... As that's uh, as I've grown up loving hip hop, you know mm-hmm. I love hip hop, uh, I love rap, mm-hmm. and just the reality that what I've seen drugs and drug culture is yeah. is rarely depicted through the music of hip hop. And yeah. I and I know a lot of rappers say the whole thing of like Arnold Schwarzenegger kills a million people, so you know why are you mad at me? Like mm-hmm. it's not the same. when I was twenty. That was an argument that like I didn't mind giving. It was like, yeah, easy, he was right, you know. Mm-hmm. But now, as as I'm 35, I look back at some of this argument and what it depicts, in the tragedy of some of the realities, especially on the minds, knowing that hip hop is specifically targeting probably like I would say eight to eleven year olds, mm-hmm. 
I, I would I would say mass hip hop is targeting that. Yeah. No, no. I don't know who would actually come in and say that, but I know that's who they're targeting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's who hip hop radio is for. Yeah. Um. So to not truly give the true depiction of of these stories that are connected to drug trafficking can be very corrosive mm-hmm. as it, it it's it kind of adds to the uh complacency of many young people in in the pursuit of feeling as though money is a gateway to happiness yeah which this may be a, a bigger uh this may be a bigger like i guess analysis of america itself mm-hmm. which the depression that is existing in our community especially i feel as though money can't solve no no and it's, you know, what are we going to do to help? What are we going to do to help our children understand the complexity of of addiction and the impact that it has on the family? Um, I would recommend that anybody listening to this interview listen to Cocaine, uh, Royster Five Nine song, yeah, off of the Book of Ryan album. Yeah, it's the first time. Well, not the first time, but it's it's probably the most vulnerable and honest depiction I've ever heard in a hip hop song about somebody's personal experience with cocaine in their family. You know, yeah. um, I'm real proud that 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 a brother from Detroit wrote it, yeah, put it out there. I'm real happy that folks all over the all over the country are talking about it. I heard them going off about it, uh, going on about it. On the Breakfast Club, and yeah. and you know Charlemagne talked about how it's his favorite song on the album. It's the song that I always play first when I listen to that album. Um, but the the story of how his dad's addiction impacted him, yeah, and and the redemptive value of his father simply choosing recovery to save his family. You know, to me, those are the real stories of drug addiction. But I don't care. Yeah, that that's closer to the reality. Yeah of of what i've seen my whole life is we're sitting in the neighborhood i grew up in like it's it's dudes you know what i'm saying 60 plus that have been like connected to the game or Mm. some some form of you know selling heroin or cocaine a lot of heroin actually but um and right now with opioids but even the relationship between the drug user Mm -hmm. how connected often drug dealers their family is, is connected as drug users and mothers aunties fathers like it has not been the glamorous uh story and no. even with last year's hit song of the summer and it was funny one of my accounts is the wayne county water park and um jlb was going to do something up there and i was like even if you all don't play the profanity from the song and i like mm-hmm. future but i'm like his hit song is talking about using opioids it's, it's you yeah. know percocet molly percocet mm-hmm Percocet, you know, and and like as he's saying, taking the mask off, and he's yeah. crying out, talking about his depression, and he in 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 and as though like if I don't have these pills every day, yeah, I will not be able to function. Yes, and this is a hit song where I know you know uh, uh, the corporate machine mm-hmm. is behind this whole concept mm-hmm. of moving this record. Yeah, because if he was to say, you know. Israel, Israel stealing from us. <laughs> that song would not see the light of day. Right. You know what I'm saying? If he was to say, you know, with his career, you know, you know, <laughs> go to college, go yeah. to go to college. That would not 
even be a hit song like so the the conceptually like i really the older i get i really wish that all of this music could come with like a like i guess a forward Mm -hmm. from like um you know i guess like sociologists philosophers and psychologists to be like all right as you're listening to uh cardi b Mm -hmm. (laughs) talk about (laughs) making money from the poll what she perceived to that money from the poll would provide her is happiness that is associated with her perception of what money can bring her. But right. as an economist growing up in a Bronx neighborhood that she did, and the average person possibly only spending X amount of dollars, probably looking for prostitution. Mm-hmm. It's probably funny money in the first place. She can't do these things with said money. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, it needs so much more context the older that I get. Sure. Especially knowing that, like, I mean, you have a kid. This In about three years, that is the target audience. Yeah. For it. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's interesting, you know, um, because we're preparing ourselves now for the conversations that we're going to have around the music. Because hmm. we, we not only have a child, but we're raising a black boy yeah. in Detroit. And we know that we can do more damage by hiding that from him. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to prepare to regulate his exposure you know but to an extent allow the exposure and then make sure that we're on hand to put it in proper perspective you know so we have to take steps that other families i don't know if i don't know if families in other communities have to take these steps you know Mm -hmm. the first the first few years of max cole's life he's pretty much listening to black bottom collective gospel music you know but he hasn't heard of future yet Mm -hmm. you know but the Turner household system is going to allow limited exposure through clean edits. Yeah. You know, when he turns six, mm-hmm. because now you're in school, you're in school with other kids like you. I don't yeah. want you to feel out of place. You know, yeah, they, <laughs> when, when the kids around you start going off, <laughs> you know, no, you need to know how to do that. You got to be able to hang. I get it. Uh-huh. You know, um, but there's got to be other things in place, man. You know, I don't know what that looks like. You know, maybe maybe it looks like, you know, continue music education, martial arts over here to give you a, a constitution, um, um, a spiritual foundation. And then we got to start having a real Black Bottom Collective's music, you know, which thankfully he loves. Yeah. You know, but then we got to start having a conversation about the balance, you know. And, and let's, let's go there, as mm-hmm. I know we're running up on time, but... When you think about music today mm-hmm. and uh, emceeing into your 40s, as we're, we're like, uh, mm-hmm. and I remember you were like, man, that, I still always think, it, it, we disagree on this. I always think hip hop is packaged, especially from a media sense, for young people. Yeah. You know, I think it's a teenager's music. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's for like the. I agree with that now. The, I don't think it's yeah. for the, the 8 to 11 year olds like this mm-hmm. market to now, but I, I really think like 13 to, to 16. I, yeah. I don't care how good you are. You're not really bumping some MCs in my mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I agree with that. And and I started, I'll tell you when I started to agree with that. When I got to a point where, when I got to that point where there were hip-hop artists that I knew nothing about, <laughs> I had no choice but to agree. You know, I'm like, it still trips me out today as, as, as much of a head as I am. There are artists out there today I know yeah. nothing about. I'm like. Where are all these YBN cats go? YMB cats coming from? You know, I don't even, you know, that's that's beyond me. Yeah. That's a part of the culture that doesn't speak to me. So I, I don't think I have any choice but to agree with it. 
Um, the thing that I do understand, man, is that when we were that age, mm -hmm. my parents didn't understand my music. Yeah. You know, now I'm of that age where I don't understand all of the young cats' music. I turned out all right. Most of these cats are going to turn out all right. I it's think not so my too. job to diss them. And quite frankly, there's some of the stuff that I absolutely love, mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah. and not just the typical MCs that you know I would like. You yeah, know, yeah. of course, you know, Kendrick, J-Rock, you know, Abso. Those are yeah, my favorites, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, we were talking about the Black Thought uh, Knife Project, which is great. Which is great, you know. Um, but then they're like, I mean, Migos are some funky cast to me. Yeah. You know. Yeah, in, um, in, in songs and in production, yeah, and then within the right context, like sure. uh, people are surprised. It's like, yo, I like the way uh, as crazy as he is, and God knows the antics of him. Takashi Six Nine can ride a beat where it's like, okay, I see where he's going with the yeah. beat, and I like his beat selection. And you ride it well. It's like you know, and, and then also I'm. I'm mindful enough to know that even as I was growing up, I mean, every rapper was not Rakim. I mean, sure. I romanticized back in the day. Yeah. But I'm smart enough to know that, you know, it was a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of questionable, questionable Absolutely. MCs. Absolutely. And there were MCs who, there were MCs who were popping, not because of their skill, but because of their image. Yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah. a schoolie D. I still will pull a out Saturday D. Night the album every now and then just because. <laughs> I just want to hear Parkside 5 too. You know, <laughs> early in the morning, jumped out my bed, grab some apple sheen, and I comb my. Do, 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 do. You the know what I mean? D. That stuff knocks, man. Yeah, Schooly D does. Um, but he wasn't the MC. No. Nah, like, nah, he nah, wasn't nah. on a Rock Him or, or KRS level. Oh, or, or Kane or, or like any. Abs no. You know. No. I, Not every MC is supposed to be. No, no, no. You know, MCing is part messaging, style. Um, delivery it's, it's all of the above so I get I get Takashi's appeal mm -hmm. um, I think he I think the kid takes some incredible risks I think I think he has positioned himself as uh, the new 50 cent that's like it's the antics are are, are bigger mm -hmm. than the music itself sure, sure. you know and um, sure. and that's another one of the one of the forms of not just in music as mm -hmm. we see i mean we got a president whose antics are bigger than the man himself yeah you yeah. know so um it, it 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 questions everything kanye west like i'm so plugged off to anything kanye west related where people are like man the new Nas album dropped today you're not gonna listen i'm like nah man it's like if i can stop watching the nfl which I definitely right. have way more love for the NFL yeah. than Kanye West. I'm like you. And I can be definitely completely disassociated yeah. with anything Kanye West related. Yeah. Yeah, I um that I I think Kanye is an interesting conversation cuz I you know I, I think there's a I think that's a mental health conversation to be had too. It it probably is, you but know. within the rhetoric but, that he's spewing, I can't No, there's no mm -hmm. excuse for that. You can't. Yeah. You yeah. I, I just, it your, too many other, your, your too bipolar many other. disorder is no excuse for that position, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, Got that right. You know, but the, the thing that concerns me most about hip-hop today is the drug culture that culture. Has, uh, has entered. Yeah, I never thought I would see the day when the drug user yeah. would become the popular purveyor yeah. of the music, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, that... Drug dealing, all right, you know, we we used to be concerned about that, but, you know, one, half of us knew the cats that 
that were being talked about in those songs. You know, we grew yeah. up around those brothers. We knew their hearts in many cases. So we had a, we kind of had an idea that most of us, if we survived, we were going to outgrow that. And, and then also some of the, some of the, the MCs that laid the groundwork for it. Um, I think uh, the, the most, the most honest depictions and vulnerable of like the drug talk of like, you know, um, like you think of reasonable doubt, like you know, it's some mm-hmm. vulnerability that's it being sure. exposed through the, you know what I'm saying, like yeah. like a song like D Evils, you know yeah. what I'm saying, like it's like you you talk about losing a friend mm-hmm. over money and, and what is it coming to? Yeah. You think of like Scarface, like just the imagery of oh, yeah. a song like a minute to pray and a second to, to die, die, like yeah. just just like damn, yeah, damn face, you know yeah. what I'm saying, like it was a. Uh, it was an ethic in it that felt as though this is not romanticized. I mm-hmm. mean, even my mom playing a trick on me. You yeah. know, it's like I can't trust my mom. I can't trust my girl. Like yeah. I'm to the point where my mind. Never seen a I'm man cross. Never seen a man die. You yeah. know, same thing. You know, but the the yeah. the pro, the 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 approach to hip hop through the lens of the drug user, I I don't connect to that at all. Yeah, and you I know. I. Um, I mean, yeah. I stopped short of dissing it because I don't understand it. Yeah. You know? So you're have not. I, have, uh, I, have I had addicts in, yeah. in my community and my family? Yes. Absolutely. I've never been one. Yeah. I've never been one. You know? But the, the future, like, because that is, like, I would say the claim to fame of them. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the most, has been one of the most popular artists. Yeah. Of. Um, up sure. today, sure, you know, sure. and you know, for me, it happens at a time in my life where I'm very health conscious. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm at read the back of the box age. <laughs> you read know what I'm saying? If I can't pronounce it or define it, I'm not eating it. That's me. Yeah. If you know, I when I go to the grocery store, I don't shop in the middle of the store. I'm 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 on the ends where the produce mm. and the fresh foods are. Fresh foods are. Um, so to see cats talking about, you know, getting high in hip hop and, you know, and glorifying it. Um, yeah, that just, that's, that's really beyond me, man. And mm-hmm. as a, as a father and an OG, it just concerns me. Cause I'm like, now I'm old enough to see cats living the effects Oh yeah, of their addictive years, you know? Oh, and yeah. I'm like, so you mean now? That stuff is metastasized. <laughs> I got to multiply it times all y'all cats. Nah, that, that concerns me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we're definitely going to have to get you back. Bro, I want to come back. Because we man. have to finish this discussion. I'm going <laughs> to hit you with some classic Detroit is different questions. But before can, we can even I, get Can there, I first ask folks to have support the Text to talk campaign? About that's exactly what I was going to Okay, be. all right, cool, it, cool. This all started because he yeah, yeah. reached out to me and said, <laughs> hey, can you get some money? I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, you so can come on Detroit is different and talk about it. Let the people know so, I'm going to give some money. You know you, you got $10. You know you done spent $10 on something that's goofy. That's right. Everybody has. Yeah. You look in your Amazon Bay and it's like, oh, man, I can, yeah. as we talk about bad black movies, I just bought Ladies <laughs> Man. <laughs> last, last that week. is not a bad movie, dog. That movie is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, movie, that movie. I'm watching. I'm pulling that up. Thank you. I, I haven't seen that. 
my man Leon Phelps, man. I gotta, I gotta see that movie. It's time. I gotta see that movie. It's time. But, but listen. <laughs> now I gotta get this request out. I'm, I'm running those scenes in my head. Uh, to anyone watching and listening, you know, we're, we're celebrating Mayor Coleman Young's hundredth birthday. It was May 24th. Um, Coleman A. Young Foundation still exists, and we're celebrating all year. But we're asking the community to get involved in the first stages of our year-long celebration by donating uh, to our Text to Give campaign. And we're not asking for all your money. We just want that random $10 that you don't necessarily have plans for. It's just sitting there. Uh, and we made it really, really easy for you to give. All you have to do is take out your phone and text C-A-Y-F. 100 to 50155. That's C A Y F 100 to 50155. I promise you, uh, we're an efficiently run organization. We operate, uh, we run the organization on about 13 to 14 cents of every dollar we raise, and 90% of the young Detroit scholars that we support graduate. We also help 11 to 18 year olds get ready for. Uh, healthy post-secondary lives after college so your money is well spent well donated we'll take good care of it um, and you'll see that in our results so thank you all for texting that money c-a-y-f-1-0-0-2-5-0-1-5-5 and um, thank you in advance everybody all right. give the number to text it to again uh, c-a-y-f one zero zero that's cafe 100 and you're texting it to five zero one five five all right compose k zero one <coughs> i'm doing yeah. it right now are you doing it right now i'm like the I'm like oh, old people let me let me let me go slowly okay see a Y F one zero zero. Okay, yep. so basically Coleman A Young Foundation one hundred. There it is. And you're texting it to five zero one five five. Okay. Send charges will appear. It's something that comes up. It says please provide the amount you would like to donate. I'm going to put $20, then we're going to say send. There we go. Thank you, brother. Yep. And I just I just got a ping on my phone. <laughs> there we go. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Ladies, man, it is a horrible movie. And, brother, I again, like just <laughs> I, I got to tell you, man, what you're doing here is Thanks. this is profound, man. Thank this you. Is profound. It's important. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to, to helping you to spread the word about what you're doing here, brother. Most definitely. And here we go. I got two Detroit is different questions. I know one of the three. Okay. Coleman Young for Woodward. Okay. Um, what was your very first car? What was the year making model? And what year did you get it? <laughs> it was a 1992 Ford Escort. Okay. It was red. Okay. I bought it on Tireman. From a mechanic in 89 
Wait. No, 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 no. Not no, no, no. It was no. an eighty nine. It, it was a nineteen eighty two Ford Escort. Uh huh. I bought it from a mechanic on tireman in nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Um, and the floor was missing in the back. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. But I'm pretty sure the homies all packed up. And my dates. I used to just <laughs> tell them, look. You're going to get a foot massage if you send it back. You went Flintstone style. <laughs> we roll out in the rain. I say, look, you're going to get a foot massage. Um, we're going to start by moisturizing your feet. And then when we get to the spot, I'll rub them down and you're going to have a good evening. School. Where where was the first place you went when you got the ride? Back to school. Oh, okay. I was going to Xavier, uh, Xavier in Cincinnati. Mm. And um, I drove it back to school, man. Ain't that something. That car took me to Cincinnati, D.C. Um, at one point, I just slapped a piece of wood on over that hole in the back seat. I rolled, man, and when I got rid of it, I took it to a junkyard and sold it for $75. Yeah, I was going to say, how long did it last? You know, that it actually lasted two years. Mm. That, yeah. for, for a young man with a ride that was going interstate travel, man. that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. You got, some, you got some miles got a couple out, of years out of that bad boy for real <laughs> <laughs> all right um you're the dj mm-hmm. it's the end of the fireworks woodward and jefferson you get to play three songs what I three think. songs are you playing end of the fireworks i'm playing technicolor okay ain't that something yeah, I'm playing Technicolor. I'm trying to have the people move. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm playing Boom. Where's mm. the five nine? Okay, okay. Um, keeping it, keeping it real eclectic in the D. Yeah, and then my third song, I need to mellow it out without losing the bump. So I'm gonna play Tainted by Slum Village. Mm. Mm. Those are my three. And no, see- no, no. I'm playing L-O-V-E, Black Yeah, Bottom I was going to say, I, I'm surprised you didn't play Love. <laughs> I got to play, yeah. Yeah, because I don't want anybody getting shot. I need, so we playing L-O-V-E by Black Bottom Collective to close it out. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to play two vaults from, <laughs> from T. Grizzly. It's like, oh, man, turning up over here. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah, I want everybody to have a good time, good family time, and go home peacefully. And be like, Black Bottom Collective DJ. Right, right, right. Got it lit, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. All right. Thank you so much. We'll definitely get you back next time we get the lady in your life to be in effect. Yeah, man. Let's do it. She's a star. Thank you, brother. Yep. Detroit Sip is where you need to enjoy coffee. Meet with your neighborhood association and write your next journal entry. Detroit Sip is the community business located at 7420 West McNichols, Detroit, Michigan, 48221. Open Thursday through Sunday for you to experience the real Detroit over a great mocha. Visit Detroit Sip today.